For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Themes of Sukkot. This is part three of the series. Sukkot is known as the Festival of Light. How is this so? It tells us in the Talmud in Sukkah 51b that at the conclusion of the first festival day of Sukkot, they would descend to the court of the women in the temple where they had made a great improvement. There were golden candelabra there, each one with four golden beakers at the top. Four ladders were placed at each candelabrum. There were four youths from among the young Kohanim and in their hands pitchers of oil containing 100 120 lugim, which they emptied into each of the beakers. From worn-out trousers of the priestly garments and from their girdles, they would tear strips of cloth for wicks, and with these they would kindle the candelabra. And there was not a single courtyard in Jerusalem that did not shine with the light of the Beit Hashoiva, the house of the rejoicing in the water pouring. And so because of the temple lighting from these events, Sukkot is known as the festival of light. With this in mind, Yeshua said in John chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 and verse 12, he went unto the Mount of Olives, then he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. Then spake Yeshua unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Where did he say the words, I am the light of the world? In the temple. Why did he say the words in the temple? Because the temple, going back to the tabernacle and the, the Temple of Solomon is the place where the light or the glory of God dwelt and manifested itself. And also, it was at the temple in the first century during the festival of Sukkot where there was this illumination. So Yeshua says, I am that light of the world. And he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, let's look at the significance of Sukkot and Hoshana Rabbah, which is the seventh day of, of Sukkot, on the first six days of Sukkot, one hakafah, which is a circuit, is made. And on the seventh day, that is Hoshana Rabbah, seven hakafot, or circuits, are made. And in the days of the temple, it was made around the altar. The Mishnah in Sukkot chapter 4 verse 5 describes the encircling the altar with willow branches in the holy temple. How was the mitzvah of the willow performed? There was a place below Jerusalem called the Mozah Valley. They 
descended there, gathered from their large willow branches, and came and stood them up against the sides of the altar, with their tops drooping over the top of the altar. They blew on the trumpet a tikia, a teruah, and a tikiai, which are various sounds of the shofar. Each day they would circle the altar one time and say, Please, Yahweh, bring salvation now. Please, Yahweh, bring salvation now. Rabbi Yehuda said, they would say, Ani vaho, bring salvation now. But on that day, Hushana Rabbah, they circled the altar seven times. In John chapter 7, verse 2, in verses 37 through 39, Yeshua on Hashanah Rabbah speak these words. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. In the last day, the seventh day of Sukkot, Hashanah Rabbah, that great day of the feast, why is it the great day of the feast? Because you have these events of the water pouring and they're circling the altar seven times. Yeshua stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Why is he saying these words at Sukkot? Because you have Sukkot, all the ceremonies of water. It's all about water. And Yeshua says, If you're thirsty, come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because that Yeshua was not yet glorified. So Yeshua is the living waters, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is also likened unto water, or living water. So let's see this connection of Sukkot and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 1 and 3, and Isaiah 35, verses 7 through 10, it is written, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed, and my blessing upon your offspring. So, it talks about the outpouring of his spirit, liking unto outpouring water on dry ground. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. So it's talking about pouring out his spirit, and now let's see what Isaiah 35, 10 links with pouring out his spirit. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. That's the end of the exile of Jacob. So, at the end of the exile of Jacob is going to be associated with the outpouring of his spirit, and they're coming to Zion, which is associated with the end of the journey, the completion of the task, the restoration of the tabernacle of David that had fallen. They're going to return to Zion with songs and everlasting joy. Sukkot is known as the season of our joy. Upon their head they shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What's the joy and gladness? It's the end of the exile, it's the coming of King Messiah, it's the Messianic era. What's the sorrow and sighing that's fleeing away? It is the exile of Jacob and the God of Israel hiding his face and the nations of the world ruling over the nation of Israel and subjugating them. Now in Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 we can see Sukkot and its association with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. When is he got to pour out his spirit upon all flesh? During the Messianic era. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Sukkot is associated with the war of Gog and Magog. In the art scroll Ashkenaz Sidor, the prayer book for Sukkot, it is written regarding this association 
Association. Prominent in the half-Torah subjects of Sukkot is the War of Gog and Magog, the cataclysmic series of battles that will result in the final redemption, the end of the exile of Jacob, and the Messianic era. The traditional readings in Judaism for Sukkot on Sabbath Kol HaMoed comes from Ezekiel 38 verse 18 through Ezekiel 39 verse 16, and this is the battle of Gog and Magog. The conclusion of the battle of Gog and Magog is when we find the end of the exile of Jacob. Ezekiel chapter 39 verses 21 through 23 it is written, I will set my glory among the heathen and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed in my hand that I have laid upon them. When his glory was upon his people when he brought them out of Egypt, guess what? His judgment was upon the land of Egypt. So here his glory is upon the heathen Gog and Magog, the nations who are attacking his people, and he's judging them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord from that day forth. What did it say in the historical Egyptian exodus? So that Pharaoh will know that I am the Lord, and my people will know that I am the Lord. We have a parallel again. And Ezekiel 39.23 And the heathen will know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they transgressed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. Ezekiel 39 verse 25, 27, and 29 it is written, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now, when is now, when he defeats Gog and Magog, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and I will be jealous for my holy name. When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. So what is associated with the defeat of Gog and Magog and him regathering his people? How has he got to regather his people? Ezekiel 39.29 Neither will I hide my face anymore from them for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel says the Lord God. It is through the outpouring of the spirit that he redeems his people. Sukkot is associated with the festival of ingathering. And who is the harvest? The harvest is the redemption of Jacob and all the whosoever's that participate in that redemption. In Exodus chapter 23 verse 14 and verse 16 it is written, Three times you shall keep a feast unto me in the year. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field in the feast of ingathering which is in the end of the year when you have gathered in your labors out of the field. Notice it's the festival of ingathering when you've gathered your labors here is a worker in the field. The field is the world. Yeshua told us that the harvest is the end of the age. The field is the world. Matthew chapter 13 verses 36 and 38 and 39 it is written. Then Yeshua sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. So at the end of the age, at the dawn of the Messianic era, we're going to have a harvest. That's the end of the exile of Jacob and those that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. And laborers are going to go out in the field through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to proclaim this message. Yeshua said that this harvest is great, but the laborers are few. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, it is written, And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Multitude scattered abroad. What's this the description of? The house of Jacob. Then he said unto the disciples, the harvest, that's the multitude scattered 
abroad, that the exiles of Jacob. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers, those who are going out for them, and how do they go out? They go out teaching the restoration of the tabernacle of David through Yeshua the Messiah, and that they need to repent of their sins and follow Torah. They are few. And so he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Ephraim is called a multitude of people. In Genesis chapter 48, verse 14 and verse 19, it is written, And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. His younger brother shall be greater than he, that is Ephraim, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Messiah is to gather the exiles of Israel. In John chapter 10, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I'm known of mine. When he says he's the good shepherd, he's making a reference to the role of the good shepherd to gather the exiles of Israel. When are they gathered? At harvest time. When is the harvest time? It's Sukkot. Sukkot is associated with the Messianic era. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel. Feeding them, that's teaching them Torah. By the rivers. Look, they're being brought to the rivers. Waters associated with Sukkot and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And all the inhabited places of the country. Regathering the exiles is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 it is written, Yeshua came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach them what? Yeshua is the Messiah. Teach them what? They need to repent of their sins which caused the exile and they need to follow Torah. Immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. What is the things that he commanded them? He commanded them to follow Torah. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're told in Psalm 137 that we are to weep for Zion. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And we said these words, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? What is the Lord's song? It's the redemption of Zion. What's the redemption of Zion? The end of the exile of Jacob. And what's this associated with? The festival and gathering or the harvest. But how shall we sing? How shall we sing the Lord's song? What is Sukkot? The season of our joy. How shall we sing in a strange land? Those that sow in tears will reap in joy. We're told in Psalm 126 verse 1 and 5 and 6 as it is written. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion and in the exile of Jacob, we were like them that dream. It seemed like an absolute total impossibility. You're dreaming if you think that that can happen. But they that sow in tears, those who are weeping for Zion, shall reap in joy. What's reaping in joy? Sukkot, the season of our joy. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Sukkot is the season of our joy, bringing his sheaves or his harvest with him. Now let's look at the birth of Yeshua that happened during Sukkot. How do we understand this? In Luke chapter 1 verse 5 it is written, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So Zechariah was a priest, and he was of the course of Abiah. Abiah is the eighth course of priests. We're told this in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1, verse 5, and verse 10. Now these are the divisions 
divisions of the sons of Aaron. Thus were they divided by Lot, the sons of Aaron. And the eighth Lot came to the course of Abia. Why is this important or significant? Because in the first century, and from what we read in First Chronicles chapter 24, Israel was divided into 24 districts. In the Talmud, in Ta'ani 26a, it is written, The following are the details concerning the Ma'amadot, which are the districts. The earlier prophets instituted 24 Mishmarot, which is districts, and each Mishmar, or each district, was represented at the temple in Jerusalem by their own Ma'amad, that's the district that consisted of priests, Levites, and Israelites. Priests from each of the 24 districts would serve one week in the temple twice a year. The priests were divided into 24 divisions, with each division serving in the temple for one full week every half year. The division was subdivided into six families or groups, and each group was in service on one day in the week. Priests from each of the 24 districts of Israel served during the biblical feast. So, therefore, when it came to the course of Abia, you will have celebrated a Passover and Shavuot or Pentecost. So, therefore, the course of Abia would have been serving in the 10th week of the year. And we're told that Zacharias was of the course of Abia. He would have been at the temple at the 10th week of the year. And we're told that Zacharias was burning incense at the altar of the temple. Luke chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 11. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Burning incense means prayer. And it says, There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. What was he praying? He was praying the Amidah, or the 18 benedictions. The Amidah, known as the standing prayer, are 18 benedictions which are prayed three times a day in traditional Judaism. Two of these prayers are for the end of the exile of Jacob and the coming of King Messiah. The coming of King Messiah is associated with the coming of Elijah who precedes King Messiah. So when you're praying for the Messianic era, you're praying for Elijah and Messiah. You're praying for the end of the exile of Jacob. So it's in this context when these prayers are being said that we're told in Luke chapter 1 verse 13 that the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, your prayer is heard. So he says, Your wife Elizabeth shall bear a son. You shall call his name John. And we're told about John. How is your prayer heard and the birth of John connected? Because it says about John, he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The prayer was for the end of the exile of Jacob and the coming of Messiah. And we're praying for that. You will also be praying for the coming of Elijah who precedes the Messiah. And he says, your prayer's heard. John is born. He's of the spirit of Elijah. And Matthew chapter 17 verses 10 through 13, Yeshua tells us that Elijah will precede his coming. And the disciples ask him saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must first come? Yeshua answered and said to them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. Why are we told that Elijah comes first? Well, that's true. He will come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto John the Baptist. So John was of the spirit and power of Elijah. John was born during Passover, allowing for the laws of separation after these prayers were made from Leviticus chapter 15 verse 19 and 24 and 25. After Zacharias went back to his house, as we're told in Luke chapter 1 verse 23, and then if we go forward nine months for a pregnancy, we have the 10th week of the year plus two weeks plus nine months will 
put the birth of John at Passover. And Passover is celebrated on the first month of the year on the 14th day. The next day is unleavened bread. So how do we know that Yeshua was born during Sukkot? In Luke chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 and verse 30 and 31 it is written, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Yeshua. So there is six months different in age between John and Yeshua. John was born during Passover. Add six months, you get to Sukkot. How do we symbolically see the birth of Yeshua associated with Sukkot? In Luke chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 it is written, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord, what's the glory of the Lord associated with? Sukkot, shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Sukkot is the season of our joy, which shall be to all people. Sukkot is the feast of all nations. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Messiah the Lord. And it says in Luke chapter 2 verse 12, This shall be a sign unto you. What's the sign? That a babe will be wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Remember that the worn out garments of the priest was used during Sukkot. So this is associated with a swaddling cloth and he was lied in a manger or you can understand this to be a sukkah. The sign is he is in a sukkah. Why? Because he's coming to dwell among men. This is the purpose of creation is that the God of Israel would dwell with his people. So Yeshua is coming to dwell with his people. So why is the sign that he's got to be in a manger? Because this is fulfilling the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is that the God of Israel would dwell with his people and Yeshua is fulfilling this here at his first coming and then during the Messianic era. Let's see how Sukkot is associated with the Messianic era. In Ezekiel 43 verse 5 and verse 7 and Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9 it is written, So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court and behold the glory of the Lord filled the house. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. So we're told that the temple of the Messianic era is the place of the throne of Yeshua and he will dwell there forever. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9 During the Messianic era the Lord will be king over all the earth and that day there will be one Lord and his name one. The ultimate dwelling of Yeshua with his people will be fulfilled in the days of the new heaven and new earth when we will dwell with him forever. When the bride of Yeshua will dwell with him forever in the new Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 21 verses 2 and 3 and verse 23 it is written And I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. And the city had no need of the sun neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And who's the glory of God that lighting the new Jerusalem? It is Yeshua the Messiah. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the themes of Sukkot. 
Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.